0: I want you to picture with me this morning the most horrific event you can ever fathom happening on planet earth. And then I want you to take that, I want you to multiply that exponentially. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. The Bible calls it the great tribulation. The Bible calls it the wrath of the Lamb. It is called the time of Jacob's trouble. We read about it in Revelation chapter 6, really through about chapter 16, chapter 17. And and we read things like this. We read about four horsemen bringing death and destruction. We read about natural disasters unlike any the world has ever seen before. We, We read about locusts who look like horses, armed for battle, who sting and torment people for five months. We read about another army of demons of 200 million who kill a third of the people who are on the planet. We read about a dragon thrown down to earth, a a beast with ten horns and seven heads, another beast with two horns that is like a lamb and a mark that man must take if he's going to either Buy or sell. This is the time when when the wrath of God and the rule of Satan are both taking place. And I want you to know this morning, it's a time that you will want to miss. Last week we talked about the rapture, that event when believers who have died will be resurrected, and believers who are alive will be taken up into the air to be with the Lord forever. Paul talked about that in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And, and I shared with you last week that, that Christians who believe the Bible, who love the Lord, disagree as to when the rapture will occur. There are some who say that the rapture will occur at the end of the tribulation, and, and God will take up the believers, and then they will come back with Him to set up his kingdom. There are other believers who believe that the rapture will occur at the midpoint of the tribulation, and, and the two witnesses are a picture of the church. And then there are those, like myself, who believe that the rapture will occur at the beginning of the tribulation to remove God's people from the destruction that is about to take place. Now, there are two primary reasons that I believe this, and I think most people who believe this, believe this. First, this tribulation is called the wrath of the Lamb. And and that word wrath literally means anger. It means the vengeance of God. God taking out His anger on an unrepentant world. And the Bible makes it very clear that, that we have been rescued from the coming wrath. We are told that we will not suffer God's wrath. We are told that we will be kept from the trial that is coming upon the earth. But there's another reason that that I believe the Bible teaches that the tribulation will occur before or the rapture will occur before this tribulation. and, And that's because of a picture that Jesus paints for us in Luke 17. In Luke 17, he tells us that that the time of his coming will be like the time of Noah. And during the time of Noah, we are told that, that man was exceedingly sinful to the very core of his being. And God was going to destroy mankind from the face of the earth. But before God did this, he provided deliverance for Noah and his family who were righteous. And so God delivered Noah before his wrath came upon the planet. And then Jesus tells us that it will be like it was during the days of Lot, when when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their exceeding sinfulness. And we know from the story of Lot that before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he delivered Lot and Lot's family from the destruction. He provided a way for them to be delivered, for them to be rescued, before the judgment came. And so I believe that that God is going to deliver those true believers before this time of wrath, this time of God's anger, is poured out on planet Earth. So what I want to do this morning as we continue our series that we've entitled Left Behind, is I want us to take a brief look at what is going to happen in that seven-year period that we call the tribulation, the great tribulation, the the wrath of the Lamb, the time of Jacob's trouble. And and there are really four things that I want you to see that are going to take place during this time. The first thing is this, there will be a great deception. Now, if I am correct, and millions of people are raptured, they are snatched away, they disappear immediately immediately, With no natural explanation, what do you think is going to happen? I believe that confusion and chaos will erupt on planet Earth like never before. There will be rioting and there will be um, um, just uh, literally looting all over the place. And fear will dominate our landscape. And people will be looking for answers. They will be looking for answers as to what happened They will be looking for someone who will deliver them, a leader, who can restore peace and stability in this difficult time. And that is when the Antichrist, the great deceiver, enters the picture. In Revelation chapter 6 verse 2, we see him as the first horseman. He is riding a white horse. He is holding a bow and, and he is wearing a crown. And, and if you're familiar with Revelation, you know that that picture in Revelation 6 is very similar to the picture we see of Jesus as Jesus comes back riding a white horse as he is coming to destroy the beast and take over planet earth. Now, why is that? The reason is because Satan is a great counterfeiter. He always likes to take what is of God, what is from God, counterfeit it, and use it for his evil purposes. And so just as Jesus is the embodiment of God, Satan is going to bring an anti-Christ who is the embodiment of wickedness and evil and Satan himself. And, And in this case, we are, he's called the, the man of lawlessness, the, the man of sin. And he will set himself up to be worshipped and, and to rule the planet as a ruler. I want you to listen to what Paul says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And to give you a picture, I want to read this entire passage. Listen to what Paul said. He says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come and therefore you've missed it. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way for for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. But the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Then the lawlessness will, will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. So Notice a couple of things here that Paul tells us. When the man of sin, the man of lawlessness comes, the Bible tells us that he will oppose God. He will exalt himself and eventually be worshipped, even proclaiming himself to be God in the flesh. And he will prove his claims through counterfeit miracles, through signs and wonders. Now what's amazing is that when Jesus was here on earth and he performed miracles, that wasn't proof enough for the world that he was God. But the Antichrist will perform these miracles and the world will believe that he is God in the flesh. Now notice what it says if you're... Got your Bible open to that. What it says in verse 10. It says, these things deceive those who are perishing. You see, Satan has always been and he always will be a deceiver. Satan lies, he twists, he distorts God's truth to confuse us, to mislead us, and ultimately deceive us into believing what is not true. Now notice what it says in verse 7. It says, the power of the lawless is already at work. And we see that every day, don't we? As we look around the world, we see that the power of Satan is at work, not only deceiving people, but but building evil upon evil in our land. But it says here that the power of lawlessness is being held back. In other words, the power of Satan is being held back at present by someone. But then it goes on to say that there is coming a day when that someone who is holding back the power of lawlessness is going to be taken away and the lawless one will be revealed. And so the question we have to ask is, who is this one who is at present holding back the power of lawlessness on planet Earth? I believe that the one that is holding back the power of lawlessness is the Holy Spirit who is indwelling and empowering the church of Jesus Christ, the true believers of our day. But there is coming a day when the church will be raptured, the Holy Spirit will go back into heaven, and the power of lawlessness will take over planet earth. We're even told that the Antichrist will apparently be killed and and come back to life. Listen to what it says in in Revelation 13. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who was like the beast? Who can make war against him? Now what's amazing is the world in which we live rejects the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet they will believe this counterfeit resurrection of the beast. And and when the beast is resurrected, the entire world will worship him. And Satan will get what he's always wanted. You see, Satan has always wanted your worship. Now go back to 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 2. And listen to what it says in verses 11 and 12. It says, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Don't be deceived. There's going to come a great deception. And if you don't believe Jesus right now, you will be deceived then. And so in the tribulation, there's a great deception. But next we see there will be terrible devastation. Now, modern man today doesn't want to believe that God could be a God of judgment. People today want to hear about God's love and God's mercy and God's grace. And and I, for one, am so thankful for the grace of God. Because apart from the grace of God, I would have no hope whatsoever. But we need to understand that just as God is a gracious God, just as God is a merciful God, just as God is a loving God, God is also a God of justice. God is a God of holiness. And just as God is loving, God is holy. Just as God is gracious, God is just. And we need to understand that. And because God is a holy Righteous and just God, there is coming a day of judgment. Now, no other period in human history will approach the horror and the terror of this period of time. We are told that there will be seven seals which are broken. There will be seven trumpets which are blown. There will be seven bowls which are poured out with each judgment of God getting progressively worse. And the devastation that we read about in in Revelation will be both natural and supernatural in nature. As this period begins, we see that there will be wars and there will be famines and there will be plagues that kill one-fourth of the world's population. That's what we're told in Revelation 6. By today's standard, that means that around 2 billion people will die from wars and famines and plagues at the beginning point of the tribulation. The world has never seen that kind of devastation before, but understand, that is just the beginning. Then we are told that the world will be shaken to its foundation. We are told that there will be great earthquakes. The sun will be darkened, the moon will turn red, and the skies will fall to the earth. Some have said that the sun turning black and the moon turning red could be the result of catastrophic volcanoes and the ash that it produces. I don't know. But what I do know is the natural disasters that we see during this period of time will be worse than any disaster movie that you could ever see or ever imagine. And that's just the sealed judgments. That's the first part of God's judgments. And then we move into chapters 8 and 9, and and the horror intensifies as the trumpet judgments are unleashed. And and we read about fiery hell that destroys a third of the plant life on this planet. We read about large meteors that destroy one-third of the shipping and the industry commerce and contaminates one-third of the water on planet Earth. The word there... In chapter 8 of Revelation, is literally a, lo- a blazing mass as large as a mountain. Th- that's what the word means. In Time Magazine several years ago, scientists projected what would happen if an asteroid one mile in diameter hit in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean 2,000 miles from shore. This is what scientists said. They said the impact would be equivalent to a 500 million megaton bomb blast. It would displace 1,000 cubic miles of seawater and would produce tidal waves up to 100 feet high, earthquakes 1,000 times worse than ever recorded. You say, could this happen? Our universe is filled with asteroids, and most scientists tell us that it's not a matter of could it happen. The question is, when is this going to happen? And then we read about an astronomical eclipse that that wipes out a third of all light. But all of these natural disasters pale in comparison to the supernatural disasters that are about to come. As God allows the demons in the abyss to be unleashed upon planet earth. And as we read in Revelation chapter 9, we, we read about locusts who have the power to to sting like scorpions. And and their sting is so powerful that people long to die, but they can't die. You ask, Rocky, are these literal animals or these demons, what are they? And and we don't know, but what we do know is the result is terrifying. Uh, Listen to what it says in Revelation 9. It says the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they were something like crowns of gold. And their faces resembled human faces. Their their hair was like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and, and the sound of their wings was like the thunder of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails and stings like scorpions and in their tails they had the power to torment people for five months. They had as king over the angel of the abyss whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in the Greek it's a pylon. But what happens next makes the locust look like nothing. Listen to what it goes on to say in Revelation 9. Since the first woe was past. two others are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions. Out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouth. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes having heads with which they inflicted injury. Now, is this army 200 million, a literal army or a demonic army? We don't know. But what we do know is this. Already during this time of great tribulation, a fourth of mankind has died. And now, during this judgment, another third of mankind dies. And that's just the trumpet judgments. The seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, but... But then the bowl judgments are unleashed. And with the pouring of each bowl, the heat of God's fury is intensified and, and the force of God's judgment is magnified. We read about plagues that are severe. We, we read about plagues that, that produce ugly, painful sores. We, we read about the water turning to blood. We read about the power of the sun scorching the earth and scorching mankind. And, and we read about the world... Turning completely, absolutely dark. The Great Tribulation. The tribulation will be a time of deception. It will be a time of devastation. But listen, there is good news. There will also be a worldwide harvest. Even in the midst of God's judgment, His desire is to save. And I want you to hear that. God is long suffering. Always willing that men should repent. And listen to what it says in Revelation 7, which gives us a picture of what will happen during this time. It says, after this, I looked, and, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, every nation, every people, and every language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne And to the Lamb, all the angels standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. In other words, I don't have a clue, but you know. And this is what the elder said. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread His temp over them. As we read through Revelation, we discover that, that God initially sends two witnesses. And there is much Debate and speculation over these two witnesses, who they are. But we know that God gives them power and and they preach the gospel in Jerusalem for three and a half years before they are killed by the Antichrist. From their preaching comes 144,000 Jewish missionaries who during this period of time received Jesus as their Savior, and they begin to go out and preach the gospel. And from their preaching comes a great multitude who receives Christ and repents of their sins. You see, God's mercy is still available during this terrible time of judgment for, for those who repent and, and receive Him. Now, notice what it says in Revelation 14. This is an amazing verse. In verses 6 and 7, it says, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel, because the gospel never changes, to proclaim to those who live on the earth, every nation, every tribe, um, every language, every people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. And I'm not sure what this means. But I do know that this is God's last ditch effort to see people saved. Does He literally send an angel throughout the world to proclaim that Jesus will save those who turn to Him? I I don't know. But what I do know is even at the very end, God's desire is for people to be delivered from hell, gain heaven, experience His love And His mercy. Understand, God's desire was never for human beings to experience His judgment. God's desire has always been for human beings to experience His love, a relationship with Him. But in the end, He will give us what we desire. Now the question will come. Can't I just wait? And if I somehow miss the rapture, can't I receive Him during the tribulation? And though there is disagreement over this, I want you to listen to me. I believe those who have the opportunity to receive God's mercy here and now, but refuse it will not receive it during the tribulation. You say, Rocky, why do you believe that? Listen to what it says again in 2 Thessalonians 2, beginning in verse 10. It says, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and be condemned. What does that mean? This is during the time of the Antichrist coming. And we're talking about those who have had the opportunity to hear and receive the truth, and yet they've rejected it. And what does God say? God says, for those who have had the opportunity and yet said, I do not want God, God will allow them to be deceived. God will bring a delusion to the point that they will believe the lie of the enemy. In other words, when a person says to God, I want to live my life without you, God will in the end say, go ahead, I'll give you what you want. And so we see a great deception, we we see a terrible deception. Um, um, uh, tribulation, devastation. We, we see a worldwide harvest, but finally we see a complete rejection. Notice what it says here in verse six, chapter 16 of Revelation. Several different verses. And this is talking about the people of the world. It says they were seared by the intense heat. This isn't hell. This is the tribulation. They were seared by the intense heat and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. It goes on and it says, and they cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. And and then it says, and they cursed God on account of the plague of hell because the plague was so terrible. Throughout the book of Revelation, we see the people of the world not turning to God during this time of tribulation. We see the people of the world lashing out at God. They know who God is, but they reject Him and they curse Him. Now listen, I've experienced God's grace. And I can't imagine anyone... Refusing to love and be loved by our Creator. That's beyond my understanding. How could anyone reject God's love? How could anyone not want to enter into a love relationship with the one who formed us and fashioned us and made us for a purpose and yet the majority of the people in the world have no desire for God? The majority of people want to live independent of Him. The majority of people want to be their own God. Now, we may not say it like that, but we live that way. We refuse to receive Him. We refuse to follow Him. And when we do that, we're saying to God, God, I don't want You. I believe that that I am a better God than you could ever be. I want to be my own God. And let me tell you, when we get to that point, where we say that even subconsciously, we are in a dangerous place. And yet every day in America, people say that to God. Why are we to think that in this time of great tribulation, people will not continue to say that to God knowing who he is but saying i don't want you ruling my life guiding my life leading my life second peter chapter 3 shows god's heart when it comes to mankind listen to what it says the lord is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but but everyone to come to repentance God's desire for mankind from the very beginning until the very end is that mankind repent, turn from sin, receive His grace through faith, and be transformed and be changed. God doesn't want us to go through the wrath that is to come. And God doesn't want us to experience the eternal wrath called hell, the lake of fire. But we need to understand that if we reject Him, if we refuse to receive Him, we are saying in effect, God, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it my way. You see, the choice is yours. God will not force His love upon you. God will not force His will upon you. But in the end, each and every one of us are going to have to live eternally with the choices that we make. And so what about it? Have you received Christ? Here's what I believe. I believe that God is going to deliver me from the time of wrath that is to come upon planet earth. But even if he doesn't, here's what I know. He will deliver me in the time of tribulation that's going to come to this earth. Because He's God. He's my Lord and my Savior and my Heavenly Father. And He loves me with an everlasting love. And He loves you. And it would be a tragedy for you to go through all eternity separated from the one who created you. And loves you so much that he allowed his son to die for you. I want you to bow your head with me. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive Christ. If you're here and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus. Then I want to encourage you right now to humble yourself before God. Cry out to him. Ask Him to save you. You can pray a prayer like this if you would like. Dear Jesus, I know that I need you. I have been living life my way. You call that sin. Forgive me. I don't want to live that way anymore. I need you. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. Right here, right now, I'm giving my life to you. I'm trusting you to save me. Come into my life, take over. I'm yours. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Now, with your head still bowed, with your eyes still closed, please, if you prayed that prayer just then for the very first time and meant it, would you raise your hand right now? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, here's what I want you to do. On that card that I talked about earlier, I want you to check that box. I prayed today to become a lifelong follower of Jesus. If you meant it, check that box. Let us know. Because we want to help you as you walk through life. Well, let me pray and thank God for what he is doing in people's lives. Lord God, I thank you for those who have made decisions for you. I thank you, Father, that... You have delivered us from the wrath that is to come. I thank you, Father, that your grace is sufficient to cover our every sin. And Lord, for the decisions that have been made today, we ask you to help them grow in your grace and knowledge. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.